Welcome to the audio podcast for Beit Abba, the Messianic Jewish ministry at the Father's house. We exist to proclaim the gospel to the Jewish people and to connect Christians to Israel and the Jewish roots of our faith. Hallelujah. This is a time of rejoicing. This is a time when we look back at the deliverance of God, we look present into what he's doing in our lives today, and we look forward to what he's going to do when he comes to rule and reign here. And then when he brings new heavens and new earth after a thousand years. So this is a continuation of the messages we've been hearing regarding the fall feasts. And we're going to emphasize tabernacles tonight because that's the season that we're in. Tonight begins tabernacles. But I call this Let Us Return. And I've been really grateful to see a lot of turning going on around me in the midst of the CNN, certainly not the news, in the midst of all the noise that we're hearing on every side, right, left, up, down, backwards and forwards, all that noise, in the midst of that, there's a spiritual awakening happening. Folks, we need to, we need to believe into that, we need to receive that, we need to know that that is happening. You know, I think about uh, bigger voices than mine saying that in 1968, the hippie generation, there was no way we could have believed that the Jesus people movement was about to break forth. It was so dark, it was rioting and looting and bomb throwing and misery and racial division and all kinds of stuff going on at the end of the 60s. And then Jesus came up and down the West Coast here and some of you got saved during that season. I'm telling you that what we're in right now is leading to an awakening. Catherine mentioned a third great awakening. I really believe this. Don't let it get out of this room or I'll get in trouble. But I believe that the awakenings that have come through John Wesley, beginning way back with the Reformation, and then through John Wesley, and then what's happened in this country, I believe that this understanding of the Messianic revelation and the return of Yeshua to a Jewish Jerusalem is part of the next great awakening. I believe it's as radical an awakening as Martin Luther was back in his day. And it's happening all around the world. We just came back from Texas where we celebrated Rosh Hashanah with Eskimos in full garb worshiping the Lord in the name of Yeshua, with, with Africans doing their dancing and singing in the name of Yeshua, with Spaniards from Spain dancing with the clicky legs in the name of Yeshua, with Polynesians doing the thing that Polynesians can do that I can't do in the name of Yeshua. It was all about every tongue and every tribe together worshiping the Messiah of the Jews and the Savior of the world. And that revelation is a key for us to know how to navigate in the days ahead. It's a key. So I'm grateful that everywhere we go, there's more and more understanding of these things, of the the connection between the Older Testament and the Newer Testament, and the long love story that this is. Uh, Yeah. So we're good. We're good with that. It's really great. So this is kind of like for the USA and for Jerusalem, and it is let us return. You know, let us return. Have you seen this last week, that day that Jonathan Kahn was on the mall and that that Franklin Graham was walking in D.C. and that Sean Foyt was raising heaven around the country? And that in the in the on the beaches of Southern California, people are worshiping and getting saved, getting baptized. I'm telling you, folks, the Father's house is out in the park singing and worshiping. People are walking their neighborhoods and praying for their neighbors. I'm telling you, we're ready for something that we have not known yet. It's happening. So, but it begins with a return, right? 
This is the season, tabernacle season is a season for the presence, for provision, and for purpose. I just was on the podcast with my friend from China. I I always brag about him because he's like, if Jason Bourne got saved, that's who this guy is, right? (laughs) Can I have that bubble water? It's on the floor. Um, He's a retired U.S. Marine sniper, and he's the front man, point man, for Brother Yun, the heavenly man. Brother Yun, if you don't know his story, he was a pastor in China. He got arrested, spent seven years in prison for being a Christian pastor in China, and they broke his legs, and he miraculously walked out of the prison. Yeah, you can clap for that. That's a miracle. You know, we need miracle signs and wonders now. Do you? I do. I need them. I want them. That's why I'm, I'm engaging with the presence of God. I'm believing, God, you're going to give more. You're going to do more. I'm believing for provision. Yes. I'm believing that God's going to provide for us in ways that are unseen. Yes. He's going to provide for the purposes of God, yes. for the purposes of ministry, in ways that we have not known before. I believe that. Yes. Provision is coming. We're seeking his presence, and it has to do with our purpose. What are we doing here? Yes. What are we born for? Yes. What, what are we here for? Right? And this is a really good time to find that out. Brother Eugene, he said a couple of things that made me laugh on this podcast. He said, uh, oh, Miles, I heard that your governor might grant you your constitutional rights. I'm really happy for you. He's <laughs> a guy who deals with the communist oppression in China day in and day out. He's been serving there for 20 years. And uh, he's the perfect guy for the job as a retired U.S. Marine sniper. And he, uh, you know, talking about the, the parallels between the, the chaos that we're experiencing right now and Mao Zedong's takeover of China in 1949, and they're really something. So pray for me that I get this podcast, I get enough shows in the can so that we can launch it. I've got four, I need about 12. So if you've got a good word you want to tell me, let me know. I might not put you on the air, but let's, you know, talk. So far, I've got some really great guests. I'm excited about it, and Eugene's one of them. The reason I know Eugene is because he saw me teaching about the gates of Jerusalem on television. Brother Yun sent him to, to San Francisco to take us to lunch, and then we wound up ministering with him in China. They are used to the kind of chaos and oppression that we're kind of flirting with right now in the West, right? And this holiday, this tabernacle's holiday, is all about the nations, It's about the connection between Israel and the nations. It's about God's desire to tabernacle with us. It comes from the Feast of the Lord in Leviticus 23. Now remember, I tell you this a lot, but I'm going to say it again because it bears repeating. There are seven feasts of the Lord. They come in three periods. There's the spring, the early summer, and the fall. So there's three feast periods. They're called the Shalosh. Try that. Shalosh. Regalim. Very good. Shalosh Regalim, the three pilgrim feasts. So that's when everybody's in town, and God is really smart. He chose the best weather, spring and fall, for the people to come up, because it is a desert. It's, it's a, quite a place. And he, we, the spring feasts, the summer, early summer is Pentecost. I'll get that in a second, and the fall feast. And the thing about them all is that the first four of them have been fulfilled in the person of Jesus Christ. Amen. And he intends to fulfill the next three. Amen. The first three, Passover, he's crucified as the Lamb of God. 
he sacrificed as the lamb. Unleavened bread, which follows right away, he goes into the earth without sin. And because he's without sin, he arises on first fruits, what we call Easter Sunday in the West. He arises on first fruits, the biblical holiday of the celebrating of the first harvest. There are three harvest periods. There's the first harvest around Passover, which is the barley harvest. There's the late spring, early summer harvest, which is the wheat harvest. And then there's the fall when everything is brought in. Everything is brought in. Everything that's still growing is brought in, and we're praying for rain. Now, God wanted the Israelites to understand that when they came into the land, the Canaanites were there. They were already celebrating it, but they were doing it in the name of fertility. They were celebrating the harvest in the name of fertility. In other words, they were worshiping the creation, but not the creator, Romans chapter 1. And what God told the Israelites was, I want you to thank me for the fertility, for the fruitfulness, for the prosperity, for the goodness of the land, but I want you to remember me as your redeemer. And that's a word for us today. We can be caught up in the blessing and thank you for salvation and thank you for the goodness of life in this cushy, cozy kind of American, Western, happy, clappy situation we are generally in, not so much now, but that's okay. The idea here is that he wants us to remember him as our redeemer. So we look back in these holidays, we look back to the deliverance out of Egypt, our redemption, and we look forward to his return as our redeemer. Now, this whole period begins, as I've told you before, some of you, begins in the summer. This period of the fall feast begins in the summer with the month of Elul. And the month of Elul is a, a season to begin to look towards these fall feasts, begin to think about the season of the awakening of the trumpets, the repentance of Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, and the celebration of God tabernacling with us Amen. in the fall feast. Begins in Elul. What I love about the month of Elul, and I started a certain kind of fast then, because I believe that we are in such dire straits right now that everybody needs to be bringing something before the Lord on behalf of the USA, on behalf of the world. You know, the world is watching us, right? And we have a role to play as a light on a hill. We have a role to play as a mission-sending country. We have a role to play as those that have kept the Judeo-Christian values that the place was born in. We have that role to play, and it's on you. It's on you and me. It's on us to do that. So Elul is that time when we start to look towards the fall feasts, and it's an acronym. It's, it's a, it's, it really, you, if you think about Elul, think about uh, the harvest time, and we're out in the harvest field looking for the king, right? And he's out there looking for us. He wants to find us out there. I heard from uh, my friend Eugene, he said that, he, he, he said that a friend of his in, uh, I think Colorado, I'm not sure, a business guy, maybe he's in the Northwest, a business guy, not a pastor, not a minister, never went to Bible college, he developed an app called United Hive. United Hive, you can download it, but not now. United Hive, and it's real-time witnessing that's going around, in, or going on around you in the, your neighborhood. You, you log on. And it tells you who just had a word of encouragement for the checker at that store, who just said this and that. In other words, it's connecting the body, using technology to connect the body to be the one who sows, the one who waters, and the one who brings the the harvest in. It's a phenomenal idea. And so there are all these ways that God is using what is also being used for evil. That's why we pray against the Mediaites. 
There are ites in the land. There are ites in the land. And we pray against the mediaites because they are a very bad company. But at the same time, there's a word of encouragement. There's a salvation prayer. There's a blessing of a neighbor. There's a walking in the neighborhood and praying over your friends. There's the prayer meeting my wife had for the nation this week. There's uh, all kinds of things are happening during this time that have to do with the king being in the field and he's looking for us in the field, right? We need to mobilize, not, not stabilize, but mobilize. The king is in the field. And the, the, again, you, the, the word Elul is an acronym for Anila Dodi Vidodili. It's an acronym for I am my beloved's and my beloved is mine. So this whole season of repentance is connected to a love affair between Yeshua, the bridegroom of heaven, and us and the bride. It's a love affair. It's a love, love story. And that's the season that we're in. So the Feast of Trumpets is like this. And I want to go over this very quickly because they have to do with giving of yourself during this season. Feast of Trumpets, speak to B'nai Israel, speak to the children of Israel, the sons of Israel, saying in the seventh month, on the first day of the month, you would have a Shabbat rest, a Sabbath rest, a memorial of blowing, a holy convocation. You're to do no regular work, and you're to present an offering made by fire to the Lord. I'm not making light of the situation that we're in right now. But I believe that this is a sign and a wonder for us that God is trying to get something on the inside of spiritual fire that is greater than the devastation that we see around us. You're looking at me with unbelief. I'm telling you that that is horrible, but there's a fire that God wants to put in you and in me that is, rises above our circumstances. Joy is not a feeling. Joy is not dependent on circumstances. Joy comes from above. And this is a season of tabernacles we're commanded to be joyful. This is the party. We've had six, six uh, feasts that are basically fasting and seeking and looking for the Lord. And then comes the greatest of all feasts, this Chag. Say Chag. Sounds like an unclean animal, but it's a holiday. Chag. And we are to rejoice for seven days. Totally different. And during that time, we bring an offering to the Lord. Then comes the Day of Atonement. Isn't it amazing that the, the I don't think, I think Jonathan told, said that he didn't know when he set this thing up, he did not know that that was, that was the Shabbat Shuvah. It was actually on the day, the Shabbat before the Day of Atonement was the day that all that stuff went on in D.C. I mean, you can't ask for a more of a, a stamp of approval from heaven on all of us turning back to God. That's what we're doing now. That's what has to happen for this country to go forward. And then the Day of Atonement comes. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, however, the 10th day of the seventh month is Yom Kippur, a holy convocation to you, and you're to afflict yourselves. You're to fast. You're to turn. You're to repent. You're to turn inward and let God speak to you. Search me, O Lord. Right? You're to bring an offering made by fire. To the Lord, something that costs you. Like King David said, when he poured the water out, he said, I will not offer that which costs me nothing. Something that costs us, right? So we're, we're in that season. So, so for Catherine and I at, at House of Peace, that's our, our ministry. Um, by the way, if you'd like to partner with us, this is a good way to do it. There are cards out there. If some of you are already on the bus with us. We're excited about what God's doing. In fact, this, this season... For the season of tabernacles, 
the fall feast season, we're going to be blessing the only Messianic-led preschool in Jerusalem. It's completely staffed by Jewish believers in Jesus, and it's open to Muslims, Christians, and Jews. And we go ahead. It's, it's awesome. You know why it's awesome? Because there are some in the Middle East that are being taught hatred from the time they're four and five years old. They're being taught that the Jews and the Christians are pigs and monkeys from the time they're in preschool. They're being raised up with Mickey Mouse teaching them how to stab a Jew to death. I'm telling you that the love that is being shut abroad by a work like this, this preschool, it's called the Little Hearts Preschool. And they're, they're, they're statement is about creating love and peace in the hearts of little children so they'll grow up with that being the norm in their life. Can you say amen? amen. we got to be careful what we teach our children. We've got to be careful what we allow into our schools, what we allow into our government facilities, what we allow into the halls of academia, the universities. I'll tell you a joke that my wife doesn't let me tell. I, told, I say this a lot. I can't repent of being a racist because I'm not a racist. But I can apologize to the generations that have come after for my generation and what we've done to the university system and how we have taken out genuine learning, not for everyone, genuine learning and replaced it with indoctrination, replaced it with just mushhead indoctrination that makes people unable to work and earn a living and creates frustration in young people. And this is the part I'm not supposed to say. You want it? Yeah. I say it because I don't know if you know my story, but I have to thank God for depression, mental illness, drug addiction, alcoholism, and suicidality because it led me to Jesus. And had he not saved me from myself and those things, I might have become one of those college professors. And that would be a faith that I don't want to be part of. Right? So you get it, right? So we want to pray for this. Why don't we do this? Take a moment and pray for the peace of Jerusalem in your own words. Father, we believe you. We see this as a sign and a wonder. We believe, God, that we have not yet seen the fullness of what can happen when young hearts, when little hearts are raised up to value, to accept, to understand one another. God, we let it start there. Let it be. In Jerusalem, at the center of your heart, let that be. And let the Jewish kids, the Arab kids, the Christian kids from the international community, let them all grow up with an understanding that you are the God of creation. You are the Lord of all. In Yeshua's name, amen. So we come to the Feast of Sukkot, which is tonight, for the next seven days. So how do we celebrate it? What should we do as believers in the modern world? Right? How should we do this? This is what God said, on the 15th day of the seventh month. Remember, the first day was trumpets. The 10th day was Day of Atonement. The 15th day, where we are now, is Sukkot, or tabernacles. On the 15th day of the seventh month, when you have gathered in the fruits of the land, you're to keep the feast of the Lord for seven days. The first day is to be a Sabbath rest, and the eighth day will also be a Sabbath rest. On the first day, you're to take choice fruit of trees, branches of palm trees, boughs of leafy trees, and willows of the brook, and rejoice before Adonai your God for seven years. Seven days, sorry. Seven days. It's a picture of the millennium to come. We'll get to that in a moment. But here's what we do. Traditionally, we take those plants that are, me- that are mentioned, we hold them together with an etrog, which is a citron-type fruit, and together we wave them, the rabbis teach this, ra- wave them north, south, east, and west. Why? Because... We're thanking God for the whole world because this is the holiday 
when the Israelites would sacrifice 70 bulls. On no other holiday would the Israelites sacrifice 70 bulls. Why? Because 70 was the number of the known nations at the time, and this is a picture of the one new man. This is a picture of the worship going up to the Lord with the Jews and the Gentiles together, and so 70 bulls were sacrificed on this holiday during these seven days. In fact, you can do the math after. But they would sacrifice 13 the first day, then 12, then 11, then 10, then 9, then 8, then 7. And if you count those up, it becomes 70. On the seven days of this feast, they count down and they would sacrifice the bulls. Why? For the sake of the nations. Why? Because Israel is to be a light to the nations. Have we fulfilled that? In a measure. How did we really fulfill it? By Jesus coming. He came first to his own people and came out and then because of God's grace. He was sent out to the world by the apostles and those that followed. So this is a real time of prayer for the nation. So I'm going to ask you to do something. Stand up. Now, you don't have the the lulav and the etro. You don't have the gear. I couldn't pull it together in time to have us have branches to wave, etc. So so you just have to fake it. But here's what we're going to do. We're not going to fake it. What we're going to do is turn to the east. Lift your hand towards the east. Father, we lift up the eastern countries. We lift up Israel. The Middle East, the Arab countries, we lift up Iran, we lift up China, we lift up all the stands, we lift up all of those that are to the east of us, and God, we ask that there would be a movement of your spirit on those nations in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Turn to the back of the room. God, we turn to the south. We pray for Mexico. We pray for Central America. We pray for South America. We pray for all those countries that are south. We pray for Africa, for the continent of Africa. God, we ask for revival to come. We ask that you raise up indigenous leaders who can sing in their own tongue, who can preach in their own tongue. God, that they would be raised up during this time, that we would see worldwide revival come to the south. Turn to this side. God, we lift up the West to you. We lift up America. We lift up Australia. We lift up the Polynesian Islands. We lift up Hawaii. We lift up all that is to the West of here. And God, we ask that your spirit would move on all those nations, Australia, New Zealand. God, all of the countries that are that way, God, would you touch them by your Holy Spirit? Would you do unusual signs and wonders? Would you raise up unlikely voices, strange bedfellows, people that don't seem to jive together, but you have raised them up for such a time as this. And we look to the north, and God, we pray for Europe, we pray for Canada, we pray for Russia, we pray for all the countries to the north, for Scandinavia. God, we pray for revival to come. We thank you for those that have gone before. Lord, we ask that you would awaken the church in Europe as never before, God, that you would take that sleeping giant and wake it. We thank you for it, God. We thank you for revival in Europe and in Russia, in Canada, and all those to the north. In Yeshua's name, amen. Amen, amen. It's an international holiday, and it looks forward to the time in the millennium when the Jews and the Gentiles will literally keep this feast together. It's incredible in Jerusalem. So what should we do during this holiday besides pretend we're waving things and pray for the nations? What are some other things to do? I'll give you a list of things. Plan times to meet with God. See, for the Israelites, they would build a sukkah. I'm going to show you a few in a moment. In my, in my neighborhood, in the old country, it was the new suburbs, and we had all come out of Lower East Side and poverty, and now we were kind of, in the 50s, kind of thriving a little bit. So we built synagogues, and we didn't build our own sukkah because we're conservative, not orthodox. And so we would get, build a group 
or a community sukkah, a big, big, big one, a tent, a tabernacle, to dwell in for the seven days. And we'd go down there, and the families would sit together and, and schmooze and eat and celebrate, etc. It was very traditional, but missed the point. Because one of the points ab- absolutely is fellowship with each other during the season. But the biggest point of building a sukkah, and you can do this, you can make a, a fort tent in your living room. You know, it doesn't matter how you do it. The point is to make a place where you meet with the Lord and be intentional about it during this season. I'm watching my wife. I get up. I've been doing my thing up there. I've started. Oh, I'm, I have asking God to give me first love, so he had me break out my original sword, what's left of it. I've had it rebound twice, rebound twice. And uh, it's my early Jesus sword. You know, you have one of those? Yeah. Right? You've seen so many other versions, you can't remember that you used to know it. You had it memorized where everything was on each page. Right? So I got to relearn it. But when I became a believer, I went right to Bible college, and they happened to be starting in Jeremiah <laughs> and, he- and heading towards Revelation. So I missed the whole first part of the book. I had to do that on the rebound. So I'm looking there, you know, I'm like six months old in the Lord, and I'm kind of like, Jeremiah, Jeremiah, how do you spell that? Where is that? Where is it? So I thought, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go take myself back through Bible college. So starting with Jeremiah. Now, you've got to have a plan of your own. I know Father's House has a plan. They do sometimes. I don't know how many people actually sign on for that. But you can, God can help you develop one of your own. Right? For me, I'm going through my old Bible college routine. And for, for me, I like to do the weekly readings of the Torah and the Haftarah, the Torah, the Prophets, and the Brit Chadashah, the New Testament. If you want a good website, it's called Hebrew Number 4 Christians. Hebrew Number 4 Christians. Hebrew 4 Christians. What he does, John Parsons, I support him every month. He breaks down the, the readings for the week, gives some insight. can be a little mystical. You've got to be careful. Talk to me if he gets a little too spicy. But he, basically, you know, he brings in a little bit of mysticism. But he's brilliant at bringing the, the word in the Hebrew context to believers, Christian believers. Anyway, so I use that one too. So plan times to meet with God. Be intentional like when you build a sukkah in your backyard, you go in there to have coffee if the weather's cold, or you go in there to eat a meal, and sometimes you spend the night, you sleep in there. The, the, the idea is to spend seven days in there. Now, in the Northeast, in New York, in late fall, not always, not always doing that, you know? It depends on where you are. Think in Florida, cool, you know? Maybe California. Spend relaxed time in his word. Spend relaxed time in his word. Just kind of read inquire, gentle, just be connected, just connect. Get together with family and friends, important. It's the season of fellowship. The rejoicing is in fellowship. I I do a lot of counseling, and I tell people, you get 168 hours in the week. I get to see you for one hour, actually 50 minutes. I get to see you for one hour. There are 167 other hours in the week, and you know what? The life is in the blood, and the blood flows through the body. You need to get connected and stay connected, right? So it's a real time for that. This season is a time for that. Share testimonies of his goodness. Let's try an experiment. Turn to somebody socially distant. You can tell them something you're grateful for today. Right now. Right here. Right now. Say something that you're grateful for. Say it out loud. Now, come on. Don't fake it. You go Hey, I got you, brother. I'm grateful for the way you play guitar. <laughs> Just gratitude. 
Express the goodness of God. Be verbal about it. One of the first assignments I give people in marriage counseling, they can come in and they've been throwing dishes and stabbing each other and 911 is on the scene. And I say, okay, you already know how to do that. I've got an idea. How about this week? Every day you say a verbal blessing over your spouse. Has to be verbal. Has to be said out loud. Why? Because the worlds were framed by the word of God. And because the devil trembles when we are grateful and when we are voicing our gratitude and when we're blessing each other and not just rehearsing our owies. Share testimonies of his goodness, right? Eat your favorite foods. My favorite one. Eat your favorite foods. This is a time to feast. Eat whatever it is that floats your boat or helps you float because you've gotten... Anyway. (laughs) Eat your favorite foods and then, of course, thank him for the blessing. Thank him for the blessing because this holiday, this season is about, wow, you redeemed us from Egypt. You brought us into the land. You've shown us redemption into this land. You're giving us fruitfulness. And by the way, the harvest is coming in. We're going to pray for rain in a moment because we know that the rain is going to come. It's got to come. And this is the time to do that. So you can actually, if you especially have kids, build a sukkah. It doesn't have to be fancy. What we used to do we, we would go to the, the community one in New York, but in our house here in, in Marin County, we would kind of roll out the awning in the back and decorate it with fruit and stuff and just kind of fake it. You know, just have a place outdoors in order to do these things, right? I have friends that build very, very elaborate ones, but I never, never got there. So here's a typical sukkah. It's, it's got these sides. These have, this one has canvas sides. The roof is always open to a degree, Thankfully, our awning was shredded from the weather, so that helped a lot. But the roof is open because it's a picture of us coming through the wilderness with the fire by night and the cloud by day and the stars above and knowing that there's someone great over us who's watching over us. And so the top is permeable. Here's one I like. This is the glamping version. Kind of got lit up and kind of sweet, you know. I like that. You can't see it that well, but... Uh, it's uh, kind of like the glamping sukkah, you know. You want to kind of kick back in there and have your coffee or your wine or whatever. Uh, that's nice. And here's the urban version. This is actually in Jerusalem. The urban version. Every, and my friends have them on their apartment ledges, apartment patios. These are all throughout the city. In the Orthodox neighborhoods, you'll see these kind of buildings all over the city. And this is my favorite. This is from uh, <coughs> this is the prefab sukkah. From, I think, Sukkahs are us. I'm not sure <laughs> where they got this. I've never seen one in real life, but I kind of love it. I think uh, that, I don't know. I'm not going to say that. Okay. <laughs> anyway, so, so what about this turning of the year? I know people have been looking into, wait a minute, Miles, a year ago you said 5780 was the time of declaring the word of God. 5780, 80 is the, that's the year we were just in, 5780, 5780. All the letters have a meaning, all the numbers are related to the letters, you know all of that. Well, 5780 was supposed to be a time of declaring. And what happened? <laughs> huh? And I was really bummed out when this thing got the mask legs on it, you know. And I'm, I'm not, if you're sensitive or at risk or in danger, I totally understand that. If you've lost someone, that's terrible, that's tragic, I get that. But I was thinking this was the time to declare going into a year of declaration and then into a decade of declaration, the 80s, right, of, of 5,700. 
So I was frustrated because all I saw was the, the masks everywhere, right? And it kind of felt like that. And I was just, one, one of my days of not doing well, I, when I'm not doing well, I often get a call from my Native American brother. I think it's like one of those guys in the movies that turns into a sparrow or a hawk and shows up. He's got, <laughs> kind of got that thing going on. So he'll find me by phone usually uh, when I'm in a place or when something great is happening. He'll also pick up on it. One of those people. And I said, brother, I'm really struggling with this, this masking and the clamping down of the gospel and the fear in the churches and the, just that whole, it's just really bothering me. He said, Miles, have you thought that in order for you to, to declare, you might need to shut up first so that when you declare, you know it's the word of the Lord? Because with much speaking, was really helpful for me because we've been in a season of introspection, a season of re-evaluating. What do I care about? What's important? You know, what, what is the value of this life? How quickly this is going? What is the meaning of this? And, and how does the gospel impact what's happening right now in our world? And what, what's my role in that? It's been real time to kind of not just say a lot of stuff, but sort of listen. I love the 12 steps. They say, uh, take the cotton out of your ears and put it in your mouth. You got two ears and one mouth. Why don't you stuff that one and open those? They got it from the Bible. Let every man be slow, slow to speak and swift to hear. Right? And so we've been in that place where now, and I believe right now, in this tabernacle season, we can ask for, for things from the Lord. I'm asking for a first love experience. But here's the, one of the secrets for me. I don't have the faith. And it's just like coming to faith for the first time. For by grace you're saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. So no man can boast. I didn't have the faith to believe in Jesus. He had to give it to me. So I may not have the faith for first love, but I can ask for it. God, give me your faith to believe for a first love experience. Help me renew my mind and my spirit through this Jeremiah walk that I'm on. Help me to, to know what you want to do with this next season. Help me not to get dragged down by the noise around me. Yeah. Right? So I'm not so worried about the masks right now. Because here's the scripture that I got when I got off the phone with my friend, which is kind of obvious, but be still and know that I am God. I am exalted among the nations. I am exalted in the earth. And what happens with the noise, the horizontal noise, is it can crowd out that sense of the majesty and the huge person of God. So we need to tune into that during this season. Now, 5781 is the turn we just made. 5781. And I've heard extensive, actually when we were at this conference, we heard extensive teaching about the 5781. And here's what I pulled out of it before I got to the conference. Because I knew we were going to pray over the Israeli contingent that was there because we ministered in Jerusalem for Chuck at his justice center. And we've counseled some of the leaders and some other people in that area. So we, we have a connection, like a mommy-daddy connection to the, their work in, in Jerusalem. So we were preparing, I was preparing a word, and here's what the Lord showed me. He said, and there was a lot of things flying around about the Aleph. Remember, every letter has a number, every number has a letter. The first letter of the Hebrew alphabet, Aleph Bet, is Aleph. It's the Ah sound. And the two words that God gave me, I'm giving them to you today. Two Aleph words. 
One, Abba. Abba. You come with us to Israel, you're going to hear little kids all over the streets yelling, Abba, 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 Daddy, 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 Daddy. Not some stern, bearded, far-off father up there ready to hit you with a Louisville slugger the first time you color outside the lines, but Abba, your father, your dad. That's the one that I believe this season is about. This year and going forward, 5781, I believe it's about a, a reconnection with Aleph, with Abba, with Father. And the other is Ahava. Say that, say Ahava. Which is not just a mineral cream, it's from Israel. It's the name of, anyway, you guys get that some. Uh, Ahava means love. God wants to baptize us in love and has to come from the Father. And, and we, it's, it's a season now where we are to be about, not just because of some of our age, you too, you too. We're to be out and about as mothers and fathers to the lost around us. Somebody who we're ready to encourage. We're ready to pick them up, ready to lift them up, ready to give them an encouraging word, ready for them to find an oasis in our life with them. Heard a great story from someone that uh, he forgot his mask. And this lady in front of him in the checkout line was just giving him the stink eye, like, you know, you're going to kill me, that whole thing. Some of us have either done that or experienced it, whatever. And so he was kind of, and he just forgot. He forgot to bring it into the store. So he's got his stuff. He's got that. He's just like, I don't know what to do. So he cuts in front, cuts around, around her, socially distancing, maybe not. He cuts around, and he gives the checker his credit card and pays for all her groceries. Sometimes you do that and you get tipped doing that by God. You know, that was a beautiful gesture. This is a season of generosity. This is a season of hospitality. So the thing about the picture, pictorial nature of the Hebrew language is that if you go back to ancient, ancient pictograph Hebrew, the picture of the Aleph or the one, the first, the Abba, the beginning, the one who is the leader is an ox. You see the ox head. That's the early pictograph of the word Aleph, and then it, letter Aleph, and then it developed over the years, over the centuries, over the millennia, and that's the modern version. But that's how it started. Why? What is an ox? It's strength. It's leadership. It's the overarching one who is in charge of everything. It's God our Father, the Aleph. That's why Jesus said, I am the Aleph and the Tav. Oh, yeah. He said, I am the Alpha and the Omega in your Bible. But in Hebrew, the Aleph and the Tav, I'm the first and the last. And that is the picture of it, that we are to be in touch with the strength of God, the leadership of God, the fatherhood of God, and it's got to be a love thing that's happening to us. So the disciples said, you know, after three years of walking with him, they said, Philip said to him in John 14, Master, show us the Father, and it's enough for us. And Yeshua said to him, have I been with you for so long, and you have, haven't come to know me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own, but the Father dwelling in me does his work. Amen. If you want to have an experience of the, this, this sukkah meeting with the Lord during the season, just read the words in red in your old Bible. Because when you've seen Yeshua, you've seen the Father. He is the manifestation of the Father's love. God wants us to walk in the Father's love because we're living in a fatherless generation. And 
my colleagues in the universities have pushed out family, pushed out fatherhood, the media as well, and it's time for us to recapture that. And it can start with us. It can start with us. So one of the important parts of this holiday season, you build a sukkah, and the, holiday, the, the, the outflow of it is called ushpizin. Say ushpizin. It means hospitality. Everybody's welcome. Everybody can participate. Because you might be entertaining angels. You don't know. Right? Hebrews 13 said it that way. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for in doing so, some have entertained angels without knowing it. Another thing that goes on now, which is why we're bringing an offering to Jerusalem, which is why you can help us reach the Jewish people and reach the nations with the message of Israel, the centrality of Israel, and the Jewish people with the Jewishness of the gospel, the Jewishness of Jesus, is tzedakah, or charity. It's a time to give. It's a time to be generous. It's a time to be exceeding abundantly above what I normally would be generous. Matthew 25, 40, answering the king will say to him, Amen. I tell you, whatever you did unto the least of these, my brethren, you did to me. Luke 10, 27, he replied, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. Everybody. One of my favorite tricks. Hospitality. Welcoming. Charity. Giving. Love God. Love neighbor. It's a time for generosity, and it's a time of gratitude for the harvest. Right? Oh, gratitude. Sounds a lot like a certain American holiday. Do you know that your Thanksgiving is patterned on Sukkot? That all the things that came from the Bible and came from tradition of Sukkot is why the pilgrims and the natives got together and celebrated the harvest and thanked God for what had, they had survived the winter, thanked God for what was coming, thanked God that they would survive as the rain came again. Because it's a time for our light to shine. So two keys for this holiday are light and water. Light and water. Isaiah 60 says, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and deep darkness the people, but the Lord will arise over you, and his glory will be seen upon you. Now in Jerusalem, during the time of Sukkot, if you come with us now during Sukkot, you'll see all the nations there dressed in white, crowding against the western wall and marching down the streets of Jerusalem and celebrating and just going wild with gratitude and excitement about the Feast of Tabernacles and, and the fact that it's a, the Jews and Gentiles together and looks forward to a time when we will literally celebrate it together. It's a wild time. The rabbis say, if you haven't been in Jerusalem during Sukkot, you don't know what joy is. It's kind of a Jewy way of saying that, I think, but anyway. There's a little condemnation in there, but that's not what I meant. What I meant is that it's, it's extreme joy. Right Now, in Jerusalem, they would put up these giant pillars back in the day, in the time of Jesus even. They would put up these giant pillars with oil lamps at the top that they would use the priests' castaway garments from the Holy of Holies and from the holy place. They would use those as wicks, and they would take that service that was brought before the Lord, and they would use it to light up the entire area. And they say that you could see the whole city lit up and look like the whole city was golden and on fire from all the way over on the Mount of Olives to the Western Wall, all the way towards Bethlehem. You could see this light everywhere. It's a time of light. It's a time of welcoming the light because the whole Feast of Tabernacles is about God coming to us, being Emmanuel, coming and fulfilling the scriptures that he would tabernacle with men. 
The people who walked, in, who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light has shined. Indeed, he says, it's too small a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to preserve the preserved ones of Israel. I'll also give you as a light to the Gentiles that you should be my salvation to the ends of the earth. Yeah. Speaking of Jesus, speaking of you, when you go out and about, you are the light of the world. You're the light of Napa. You're the light of wherever you are, American Canyon or Fairfield or Marin County. You are the light to the ends of the earth. And Jesus said it this way, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in the darkness, but have, shall have the light of life. So this is a season of light. It's a season of letting your light so shine that men will see your good works and glorify your, God, your Father in heaven. This is that season. Step out. Get, get on that, uh, that app I just told you about and see what's cooking in your neighborhood. What's it called? Un- Unity, United Hive. United Hive. It sounds like a, like a skin problem. But anyway, United Hive will tell you who's witnessing around your neighborhood, and you can come up behind them and pull that, pull that fruit in. Okay, the other part of this holiday is water, which has a specific meaning for us right here, right now. Right? And uh, it goes back to the... When we were, we were in Israel right after they uncovered the Pool of Siloam, like that fall, we were there or that spring, I can't remember, but right after they found the Pool of Siloam, like 2003, 2004, I can't remember. The Pool of Siloam looks like this today. It's small, right? Because right over here is a Greek Orthodox patch of land that they're not willing to let the Israelis excavate and, and do archaeology on. So, you know, that's, hey, welcome to the Middle East. Tough neighborhood. Everything's negotiable, but sometimes it takes centuries, but it's negotiable. Anyway, so that's where we go. We, we stand there. We preach about the man that Jesus made the mud, put it on his eyes. We pray for healing. We've seen people healed there. I mean, it's a phenomenal spot to preach. And what you see in the background, when we first started going to this spot, there was nothing there. It was a hope so. And now they've ex- excavated the entire pathway that leads up to the temple mount where the water ceremony would happen during the Feast of Tabernacles. I don't know if it's open yet, but I know it's done. It's finished. It's open. It's there, right? So now we've got the Pool of Siloam. We've got the pathway up to the temple mount where the libation ceremony, so-called, would happen. And if you want to know what this will look like when the Greeks finally surrender, this is what it looked like back in the day. It's big. See those little people there? Yeah. It's a big pool. It's a big pool. There's a lot of water. And the high priest would take the water and walk up that path that's just being excavated now and come into the courtyard and he would do the libation or the water ceremony there. Because Isaiah promised that we would, with joy, draw water from the wells of salvation. That's what this is about, folks. When I say express your gratitude, express blessing, be be that one, that is drawing water from the wells of salvation, right? And sometimes you got to fake it till you make it. Sometimes you got to just go ahead and speak forth, right? Pay it forward, speak forth, bless forward, bless forth. Go ahead and be that one, and God will back it up with his word and with his spirit. Isaiah 44 says, I will pour water on him who is thirsty and floods on the dry ground. I will pour my spirit on your descendants and my blessing on your offspring, So this is talking about water that we need right now here, 
But it's also talking about the water of the Holy Spirit, the water of the Spirit. We need more of the Spirit. That's why I love this service, because I feel like we're reaching together. A thank you, worship team, by the way, for opening heaven for us. Give them, give them a hand. That's not just a, a Hollywood thing. They, they bring something that makes it worth it for us to come out on a Friday night, you know, to, to enter into the presence of the Lord. Remember, presence, provision, and purpose during this season, these seven days. Now, the last day, this is in the time of Yeshua, on the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If any man is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. For more information about Beit Abba, log on to our website at tfh.org slash Beit Abba or call our office at 707-455-7790.